Okay, here is this episode with Hillary Valancourt that I promised you guys earlier this week. She is absolutely amazing. She is a lawyer with the Valancourt Law Firm, and she specializes in family law for special needs families, family law for those with minor children. That is her specialty. So if you have young children or special needs family members that you have to put in your will and plan your state with, this is an episode that you must listen to. Share this with your friends that have young children or special needs children because this has some really valuable information. You don't want to miss this. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me to be part of it. If you could just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do Yeah, absolutely. So um, I founded my own law practice a couple of years ago, and um, we focus on helping um, families who have minor children um, like mine and um, with their estate documents. So um, drafting wills, um, usually a trust um, and other documents um, that help protect their families should something happen to them, uh, either if they become incapacitated um, or if they pass away. Okay. And what would you say would be like the number one, like if they needed to do like the basic stuff, what would be like the most basic stuff? Say if they had kids, your kids ages, like all of them are not in school age kids or um, just minor children. What would be the top priorities for them to focus on and how soon should they do it? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest priority really is um, the will. Um, so a lot of people know that they need a will, but they don't really understand what goes into it. So, um, there's provisions that should be in any good will, um, that include, um, what happens to your remains. Um, a lot of people don't realize that if they don't have that in writing and anybody in their family disagrees, um, that they cannot, um, those wishes might not be respected. Um, meaning that like a crematorium may not, um, cremate your remains, um, if that's what you ultimately wanted, um, Um, if it's not in writing. Um, Your will also details things like um, if you have pets, um, who should take care of your pets after you pass away. And um, that's really important too, because we're talking about a situation where most likely some sort of tragedy has happened um, or some sort of situation that's been really emotional, especially for your children. Um, And if they have a really close bond with your pets, um, we want to make sure that they can continue to have that comfort and support from their pets. Um, And then obviously, of course, guardianship for your children. Um, That's one of the biggest things um, that stresses parents out. They know that they need to have this in place, but they don't know how to name a guardian for their children. Um, They don't know how to choose one. They don't know what factors to consider. uh, But that's the number one reason really to have an estate plan is to protect your children. And the first and foremost thing is to have a guardian. Um, So a lot of parents feel like um, someone from their family, I hear it all the time, oh, My sister will do that. It's not a problem. Um, But you just never know what may happen. Maybe they're going through some things in their life and they don't feel like they could take on that responsibility at that time or they get sick um, or something else happens. So it is really important that you put in writing what it is that you would want. Because this is something that people put off for so many reasons, um, what would happen if you didn't have a will and you didn't have something specified for your children, what would be one of the biggest reasons that they need to have this 
set up? Yeah, that's a great question. So ultimately what happens is their estate goes through a process called probate. And it depends on what state you're in. Um, There's a whole lot of rules um, around probate. Um, They're all very state specific. And not every state does probate. Um, But for the ones that do, um, it's a process where essentially your creditors, so your mortgage lender, your car lender, um, and others, um, they get a first crack at your estate, um, and they get to collect on that debt before your loved ones get any money. There's a whole bunch of exceptions and allowances, um, but at the end of the day, your loved ones usually end up hiring an attorney um, who handles the state administration, um, and they usually take a percentage of the estate or at least a very large flat fee, um, and that's funny that it's not going to your children. Um, and then on top of that, a lot of people don't realize that there's also um, a survivor share for a spouse. So not everything ends up going to your um, spouse who survived you. Some ends up going to your children. Um, and most people feel like, well, that's not such a big deal. I want my kids to have my, my money too. Um, but the problem is if your children inherit while they are still minors, um, then a conservator of the court may be appointed to oversee their share until they turn 18. And then as soon as they turn 18, they get one big lump sum to do whatever they want to do with. Um, and most parents do not want their children at 18 years old to have a big inheritance. Um, and so it's um, helpful to have an estate plan in place um, to make sure that somebody else is managing that money until your children are the age that you feel that they would be mature enough to handle their estate. Okay. And would they end up going into the foster care system or something like that if there's no setup? person for them to yeah, go to as really minors? Question. So there is a danger that that could happen, even on a temporary basis. So we never really want to imagine these horrible scenarios that can happen, even though we know that they can. Um, but certainly if a situation were to arise where both parents were to pass away um, and it would take a while for the court to figure out who would be the guardians in that situation, the children may end up under state care until that's um, determined. Um, or if somebody comes forward, like if multiple people from your family come forward and there's a custody battle over the children, um, then they could also end up at state care until that's pending or until the court chooses a temporary guardian. Okay. So that you're saying that if multiple family members want the kids and they're not agreeing as to where they need to go? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that happens too. Um, we try very hard to put very clear instructions in our documents as far as who would be the guardian, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else can't step up and say, nope, they're not the best choice. It should be me. Um, but um, I've heard some attorneys joke that we cannot do seances in court. So we cannot um, find out what it is that your intentions would have been. Why didn't you choose somebody else? Um, why did you choose the person that you chose? So the more we can put in writing, the better. And at the end of the day, these plans are not for you. Um, they are for your children and for your loved ones um, to make things as easy on them as possible should something happen. Um, that's most likely not going to be a very good situation for them. Okay. What would be um, a ballpark price for setting up just the basic parts of these things that because this is something that a lot of people definitely need. I mean, we all need to have a will and trust set up. But if we were starting with nothing, what would be a ballpark figure for us to talk about um, to come up with 
getting these things done? Is it something you can print offline? Is it something that's easy like that? Because I've heard people say, well, I just printed one up and signed it and put in yeah. some specifics, but I don't think that works very well when you have little ones. That's especially important. <laughs> no. And the thing with those documents is you don't know what you don't know and neither does the algorithm for those forms. So very often they leave a lot of details out, like whether you have pets and they can't ask you, do you want your pets to stay with your children or not? Um, We see time and time again, clients come to us and say, oh, I just need to update my documents. And we see their documents and they're from a program like LegalZoom or something else. And there's a need for those programs and they can definitely serve a particular um, audience. But very often we see a lot of those plans and they're not adequate. They don't protect you. They don't provide the right coverage for your family. Um, And there's a value to having a customized plan and somebody walking you through the whole process and all of your options. In terms of pricing, um, our plans can range anywhere from about $750 up to $3,500, depending on what you need and what all would be included with that. We prefer to do flat fees. Um, I've seen a lot of attorneys, especially in estate planning, moving more towards flat fees. Um, I think we've all probably worked with somebody who charged by the hour. And um, there's a benefit to that. I mean, time is valuable, um, as you know, with what you do as well. Um, But at the end of the day, I feel like if I'm on the clock, I don't take the time to get to know the person that I'm working with as much. Um, And we don't want to do that in estate planning. I want to get to know all of our clients, make sure that we understand their needs in and out um, so that we can draft the best plan for them. So um, there's a lot of value um, in that range of pricing. I love that so much. That's so I've heard people, they just write a piece of paper and get it notarized that that's their will and they're done. I think that was my great grandmother. That yeah. was her will that we found. <laughs> um, and she passed before I had kids. So that's been more than 20 years ago. Um, but it, it just, we recently with my father-in-law, he passed away in 2019 and we are still finishing up his estate and it's three years later And we're still paying the lawyers for the hourly fees that went into that. And it just became a lot more difficult than it needed to be, even though he had the will and everything in place. Mm -hmm. Um, He sold his home and got the check on Wednesday and he passed away on Saturday. So the check hadn't cleared the bank yet. So it had to go into holding and the, um, the lawyers convinced us that the estate would be the best way to do it, even though it was just my husband and his sister that were involved and they both agreed on how everything needed to be done. So I feel like after I stayed out of it, I just let those two handle all the details of that. (laughs) I have my own family that's much, much bigger. So I told him he can handle that part. And I would just kind of sit back and watch and listen to how it goes and I know his dad had the will and all of the paperwork and things involved, no minor children, nothing like that, but it did seem to turn into a lot bigger headache than it needed to be. And a lot more expensive than it needed to be. Essentially we ended up with nothing because of the lawyer fees. Yes. So, um, I, I feel like that was just, it was a disappointment more than anything. And like just a frustration 
to have to go through that. Um, yes. With and him. Like I said, you know, the plans, they're not for you. Um, you make a plan for your children. You're not going to be here. You know, <laughs> like, um, It's all about how can we make things as easy as possible? And it's the old saying, like, none of us are getting out of this alive. Um, it's a really difficult subject to talk about for a lot of people, either because they have gone through something before um, where they've lost a loved one. And I've been through that. My um, dad passed away when I was nine. And uh, those were my kids playing downstairs. Um, so my dad passed away when I was nine. And um, as a result, like when I went to law school, I actually didn't even want to take the class on wills. Um, I remember looking at the course catalog and I thought, nope, been there, done that. I don't want to go through this. Um, but what I didn't understand is that we all will go through this. It doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have. At some point, we all will have an estate that needs to be administered. And you can either choose to have a simple estate that's going to be um, really easy for your family to administer, or you can have a really complicated situation. Um, and it doesn't necessarily translate to um, how much assets you have, meaning like just because you might not have as much as you think that you have, it doesn't mean that your estate is going to be any easier to administer. Um, and just because you have a lot of assets, it doesn't mean that things are going to be easier for your estate either. So um, it's just something that really needs to be done for everybody in order to make sure that your loved ones are taken care of at the end of the day. Okay, awesome. Um, I had a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. Um, so how often, once we have a will in place and a, a trust and the estate set up, how often do we need to update that? Yeah, that's a great question. So the rule of thumb is usually about three to five years, um, or if there's a major life event that is happening before then. So for example, um, I had a client once who um, we drafted everything and they named a relative um, for their executor, their agent for everything. And then unfortunately, that relative passed away before we even got the document signed. So um, sometimes that happens. We've had clients who've named somebody and then a year later, they come back to us and say that that person um, has become incapacitated and they need to change their documents. So we try um, to get in touch with our clients on an annual basis. Uh, we reach out to everybody to um, find out if there is anything that's um, been a major life change for them. Have you changed your job? Have you had a new baby? Um, have you um, adopted a new animal, uh, a new companion animal? There are so many things. Um, has your oldest um, turned 18? Um, they, they should have a plan of their own. And a lot of parents don't realize that either. So um, by having these annual conversations, we can make sure that your plan is as up-to-date as possible. Okay, awesome. Um, what are some of the common excuses that you run into for <laughs> why people haven't done this already? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> most of the time, and I'll be, I mean, my husband and I dragged our feet for a long time. When we first got married, of course, because I do this, um, I drafted our, our wills um, and our estate documents. And then life gets busy. And I was expecting our son. Um, he's our oldest. And it took us a really long time to figure out who to name as a guardian for our son. Um, we have sort of a unique situation in that um, my husband is an only child. 
Um, our parents are aging and that's a concern for a lot of people when they're choosing guardians. Um, I have one brother who has special needs um, and then two other brothers, but I'm not super, super close to either one of them. We don't always have the same value system. So it was very difficult to figure out who to name as guardians. And so we sat on it and we sat on it and there's this silent anxiety that sort of sits on your back um, when you know that you need to do something, but it's not getting done. Um, like the clutter in your house, um, it can weigh you down. The number one reason statistically why people do not make an estate plan is because they don't know who to choose for their guardians. And so they do exactly what I did, which is they don't make a plan um, until they just finally realize something happens to a relative of theirs. And they learn the hard way, unfortunately, that they really do have to just pull off the Band-Aid and make a plan. It's better to name somebody than nobody at all. Okay. That's a good, that's a really good thing. So we had a situation in my family where my sister had three young children. Um, her youngest was a year old and then she had two others that were, I think her oldest was like maybe eight, maybe not. (laughs) And she got septic and she was in the hospital for over a week, I believe. And I got a call from my brother-in-law at like six 30 in the morning that, you know, he thought his wife was dying and he needed somebody to come get the kids. And he had, his parents had just flown out to out of state for his brother's boot camp graduation. They had like literally that the morning before. And then my parents drove all night that night <laughs> before from North Carolina to Georgia to visit my brother who was returning from, um, service. So it was, it was, he was alone. Like he had no other family and I was like four hours away, but in the same state. So I drove and I got there, like I was in the car within 30 minutes to go and I had to nurse my own baby and I had his kids for a couple of months, um, during that time. While his wife was, you know, while my sister was recovering from um, being septic, that just takes so much out of your body. And it really was a long recovery for her to get back to where she could not only just care for herself, but care for her children as well. Because when they're young, they do need a lot of attention. Yes. And like we do, I have a very close family with lots of family members, lots and lots. I have three brothers and three sisters and I have, my mom has three sisters and a brother. And then we all, like all of my cousins are really close. And so it just feels like I know that there's someone that would definitely take my kids and they could pass them around and, you know, keep anybody from being burnt out or come, you know, fill a gap for something that needs to be done. But there's a lot of things that have changed in our family. And I know with my sisters, I've said, you know, forever, I'm like, if anything happens, I I've got your kids. They can be with me forever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's verbally said, but mm-hmm. I don't believe any of it's legally printed. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, of course my family is going to jump in and take care of anybody that needs to be taken care of, but there could potentially be a situation um, legally if something were to happen. And that's something that we definitely want to avoid because it does especially if you have to call, you know, you have to wait on the the judge and all of the things. And I know with divorce for some of my clients and other family members that have been divorced, that just that part of it or deciding on just the 
uh, your properties or as your belongings and your financial stuff, yeah. not only that, but the kids as well. Like it, it just can drag on and on for years, even if you're not able to come to an agreement. And that's just, that's not healthy for anybody, especially no. children. So. Yeah, absolutely. We see, um, I mean, in my own family, we've been through, you know, of course my dad passed away. Um, and my law partner, her brother, um, also passed away unexpectedly, um, almost 10 years ago now. And, um, you know, even just seeing how that played out um, and kind of like with your grandfather's situation, I mean, there were no minor children. Um, it's a very difficult thing for your family to have to go through. And um, most of our clients, when we're talking about the decisions that go into their plan, what we ultimately talk about in the ultimate factors are what is going to be easiest for your family. Um, for some clients, it's making um, as many choices as possible. You know, do you want to have lilies at your services? Do you want to have doves released or butterflies? You know, um, you can make as many of those choices as possible. And some of our clients feel like it's better to not have any of those things in place and to leave it up to their family when the time comes. The one thing you don't want to leave up to anybody is guardianship for your children. And we talk with our clients a lot because we do still get clients who call and they'll say, I know we need to have a plan. I'm so nervous about this. Every time we travel, there's that silent monkey on your back, you know, um, but I don't have a name and a guardian. And so we'll get through the process. We'll start talking about things um, and they still don't know. They still don't know. So one of the ways that we help our clients figure out um, how to name a guardian is to think about all of the people in your life that would be better than foster care. And um, you'd be surprised who makes that list. Um, but then once you have a list of everybody, then make a separate list of all of the values that you are raising your children with, because it's different for every family. Some families are very um, pro-conservationism and pro-environmentalism. Um, other families are very spiritual, and it's really important to them that their children are raised with those spiritual values, um, whatever their religion or faith has must um, uh, would be. Um, and then look at those two lists and determine from your first list who has the most shared values with you that you've named on your second list. You might be really surprised who comes um, uh, up to the top of your priority list in terms of who matches with your values the most. Um, but it, that's the number one reason why people don't make a plan. And it's the one of the best things that you can do is look at what the value systems are so that your children are still going to be raised with the same values that you would want them to be raised with. That is excellent. Um, the other thing I wanted to know is why did you get into family law? <laughs> why was this important for you? And I know you said that you had a younger brother with special needs and that your father passed away. How much did that influence you taking this journey for your career? Yeah, so with my dad, it's a funny thing, um, because like I said, I didn't even want to take the Wills class in law school, and I didn't. Um, I had no intention of A, starting my own practice, and B, getting into estate planning, none whatsoever. Um, but I think you also have to be open to the way that life um, unfolds and the way that um you know, whatever your belief system is, but the way that sort of opportunities are presented to you in life um, and how you're taken care of. And I ended up starting my practice 
um, with somewhat different intentions. I knew I wanted to help people. I worked for a bunch of other jobs where I really didn't feel like I was very fulfilled. I wasn't making a positive impact the way that I really wanted to in life. Um, and so I decided to go back um, to get licensed again. Um, my license in Virginia was still active, but I was living in New York at the time. So I took the bar again in New York so I could get licensed there. Um, I don't recommend doing that with a one-year-old <laughs> and a full-time job, but I'm so glad I did. Um, and ended up um, starting my practice just a few weeks before COVID shut everything down. Um, and I really had to sit back and not think about so much what it is that I expected to do. That was just going to be kind of a quick way to build my practice at the time. But what is it that I really wanted to do? And um, right around that time, my younger brother um, ended up under a guardianship. So he became really sick and it was very unexpected. Um, he's doing great right now. Um, but it turns out that he had a heart condition that we didn't even know about. And uh, he wasn't getting enough oxygen to his brain. So he was having seizures. And when he went to the hospital, it was very clear that he did not have any capacity to make decisions for himself, to sign anything. And so my younger brother, who has special needs, who has only ever lived with my mom, um, was left alone at the hospital while my mom had to go to court to argue in front of a bunch of strangers why she, who's been his only guardian for his entire life, should officially be his guardian. And uh, as you can imagine, it was traumatic for everybody. I was um, pregnant with my daughter at the time, and I couldn't fly out there to be with them. Um, COVID was um, a few weeks away, um, so that wasn't so much of an issue. But once COVID hit, we certainly couldn't go out there to help. Um, and then it was incredibly traumatic for my brother, who had been left alone for the first time, um, and uh, especially traumatic for my mom to not be able to care for her son and to have to convince strangers that she should be the one to take care of him. And all of that could have been prevented. He had enough capacity, even with the special needs, to understand a power of attorney, and he could have signed one, and it would have prevented everything. Um, and so I knew that there was a huge need um, for this type of plan and um, for someone who could really understand the clients are going through. I'd worked with a couple of other offices and we'd done estate plans um, for clients at other places that I'd worked. It was a very transactional process. And I knew if that's what my brother was facing, I wanted to be a different um, experience. I wanted to offer a different experience for people who are going through something like that. So um, that's essentially how we got into a seat planning and it's been wonderful. We have the most wonderful clients. Um, we talk so much about our families and they really become an extension of our client family. I know when you, when we met the other day, you brought your sweet little baby and she was so cute. I got to hold Thank her. It made it, everything just so much better and more personable. Like it really did. It didn't feel like a, a lawyer visit or a business meeting. It just yes. was like friends visiting and talking about things. Yes. And it was really, it was warm and welcoming and you just have that approach about you anyways. So that's, it's really like you care, you have a lot of heart in what you're doing. And so I really appreciated that. Thank you. It is kind of fun. These are 
really tough things to talk about. And we know that when we're going into it. I mean, you know, like I said, I didn't even want to think about it when I went to law school because of what I'd been through. And so many of our clients have been through something similar. They've lost a parent or a loved one. And that's why they have this awareness about drafting these documents. Um, and it's amusing. We were talking about in a meeting earlier today, uh, living wills uh, with a couple of clients and when do they not want to be on life support? And those are really difficult conversations. And uh, my son, who is four, he came in and he brought this baby doll in and he goes, mommy, the baby needs milk. And, like they just, the clients laughed and um, it just broke that tension. Um, and so it is kind of a wonderful experience to have my kids around. Sometimes it's crazy and they're screaming downstairs like you heard earlier, <laughs> um, but it definitely brings the humanness, I think, to this process that um, helps us as attorneys who are talking about really difficult things. Um, and also certainly I think helps our clients um, realize too, that it's not, it's not as scary as it seems. Yeah. I love that so much. Hillary, this has been so helpful. I cannot wait to share this on the show and please let my listeners know where can we find you? Where can we um, look up you? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so our website is uh, the valencourtlawfirm.com. Um, should I put that in the chat or um, will there be a link or something? To I'll it? link it. Okay. Cause uh, Valencourt is not an easy word <laughs> to know how to spell without a specific spelling. So um, you can definitely check us out online at the valencourtlawfirm.com. Um, you can also give us a call at one 675 um, we'd be glad to talk with anyone who just even has questions about the estate planning process. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. This has been a very enlightening and informative conversation. And I hope that this really reaches people because I know when we are so unorganized, it does make it really difficult to know what to prioritize. And this is definitely something that is really high on the list of things that need to be prioritized. Where are your children going to be? I don't want my kids going to some stranger when I know I have lots of people in my family that would love to have my kids. And they're with my mom right now. They're visiting her for the week. So I know that so many people, so many people have had situations that I know of very young people that have passed away in the last year or two years. And unexpectedly like they didn't know something was going on and then boom they're gone and it just it, it gets there so fast and it's not something you ever want to have to deal with and yeah. then be concerned about where your children are going to be yeah. that's not something you ever want to deal with our clients are so surprised honestly the relief that you feel when you know that this is in place but also when you get your estate documents in place and the end of life stuff is taken care of it's incredible how much that impacts your daily lives right now. So as an example, my husband set up our internet. I couldn't tell you what the internet password is. And at one point he was out of town and I needed the internet for work and our internet went down and this was years ago, but I didn't know how to get back onto our internet. And once we went through the estate planning process, part of what we do is help our clients get organized and um, it sort of spurs with them um, the need to organize their paperwork, their passwords, and all of the access to all the things that we talk about through 
through the estate planning process. Um, and so now we've got a log um, that we keep with our passwords and we help our clients with similar things. Um, and so it, it helps with the day-to-day things as well, um, just getting you organized. So it's a domino effect. You know, if you get your closet organized, then you can focus on these big things. And then these other things help, you know, other things down the road too. So um, I love what you're doing. It makes such a huge difference in other people's lives too. And I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to your listeners. Oh, thank you so much, Hillary. It's been great. I will um, be in touch with you very soon. And I would love to check back in again about a little bit more about law stuff for kids and families and maybe do this again and update some things in the future. It's been so wonderful talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SOS Mom Show. You can find more of the behind the scenes in our Facebook group, the SOS Mom Show. That's in Facebook groups. And feel free to contact me anytime at hello at the SOSmom.com. I'm here for you. Make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts for me so that more people can find this show and get unstuck and organized and simplify their lives. All right. Have a blessed day. I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. Did I say it right?